This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. The 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55, and a game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. Don't worry, DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How's that for big? All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammates, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Brayden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Berube, reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your ear. Never wanting to leave the ice when the pain set in. 
So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcasts from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump, listen to Blue Notes, and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined by my wonderful co-host, Corey, and this is Habs Nightly, your host for Habs content. doing good i'm doing good uh it's kind of hard not to be feeling kind of good after two two more big wins against vancouver which i don't know i don't know i i think vancouver played really tough and it just shows how fucking good we are offensively right now i fucking love this montreal canadians team just complete games we have to just jump in and like let let's not beat around the fucking bush. Tyler freaking talked to <laughs> Foley, the NHL's leading goal scorer, seventh in points. We're only 10 games in for Montreal, but that is impressive to say the least. What a great addition by Mark Bergerman and Jim Benning. You know he has to be watching those games like, oh, my God, what did I do? Because it's bad enough when a guy produces after you let him walk in free agency. But when a guy just bends your team over, over and over again, aims and scores a goal, you do. Oh, it's got to be so fucking frustrating if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan right now. This is how I feel. Like, how uh, how many people have been brought over and just completely bent their team over a barrel like this? Like, I can understand having a good game against your former team, but, like, to do it well, five games, you know, each – Sorry, just to answer your question, I didn't mean to cut you off. He's the first player to do that. Jeez. That many goals against his former team, the like the season after. Coover killer. Oh, just annihilator. Like you could see it in Green's face every time. Every time he's on a breakaway, he's on a fucking a two on one. He's setting up in the power play. You can just see this man just getting furious. And I just feel oh. bad because, like, his like Vancouver's not a bad team. It's just they're not playing good against Montreal, <laughs> which is perfect for our situation. But, like, if you're Vancouver, right? You have to be you've upset. Just, but you've lost four games and you, you stole one. Let's be honest. Let's not call it – let's call it what it is. They stole a game due to some <laughs> lucky calls in their favor. And I'm not saying – the refs have just been kind of – they've been better the last few games, I'll say. But they've just been kind of shit in these Vancouver games for both teams. But that one game – The Vancouver one game, it was, it was kind of – Plus, 
they had some lucky bounces. Like it just, it was lucky and it was overtime. Anything can happen. Actually, no, it was a shootout. Well, yeah, it was a shootout. But another thing, um, Brock Besser and Bo Horvat were just kind of like in sync in that one game. And I mean, they, they've been synced that, you know, uh, two, two or three of the five games mm-hmm. we played against them. But that first game, they were just like, you could see it on the power play. They were, they were going into that, that little slot right in front of the goalie, right to the side of them. And it was just going in. It was, it was like, we couldn't see it happening fast enough to, to do anything about it. But it's like since game one, I think it's happened maybe two more times. And that's been it out of this five game series so far. So we found a way to like, they, they had a chance to get their power play going and they, we allowed it and then smushed it. And then they've really been just kind of stuck finding their, what to do against us, which is amazing. Yeah. So if you're Vancouver and you're coming off of you won one, but you stole it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your, there's been some close scores and last night they got within one goal Due to, I just think the Habs kind of just going, eh, we got this, right? Yeah, they kind of lacks up a little bit and just... Yeah. So, you're coming off of four games in which Montreal just dominated you. Like, they just, there was no... The last two games against Ottawa... Even in that one, when Ottawa scored that empty, I had no fear. Like, from puck drop, I'm just like, we're winning this game. There's no <laughs> way we're going to lose this. And it, the fact, like, in a regular season, you go, ah, oh, fuck, we, we blew the series, right? But you got to play them again four more times. And all, granted, that's in March now, so we're not going to see Ottawa for a while, which I'll be honest is a little upsetting. But... God, it's crazy I'm, to think that we only we only get to play them four more times. Like, <laughs> well, they're gonna come back with a vengeance. You've got to think, right? You, there's no way you don't like. There's no way that you leave five games against us and let a guy who y'all could have paid walk and basically win all five games by himself. There's no <laughs> there's no way that you're not pissed off about that. You know. I think. Uh, Jake Allen definitely helped. And a guy by the name of Jeff Petrie, who is, you know, uh, is he tied? No, he's the point off of the lead in defensive scoring. He's I'm guessing Kale McCarr is in fucking first again. No, Quint- Quinton Hughes is. Quinton Hughes? <laughs> yeah. Quentin. Quentin. Oh, boy, Quentin. Quentin, secondary <laughs> assist, minus seven. We need to talk like we, we don't have as much time this episode. It's going to be a little shorter. So maybe we'll talk about it Sunday. But I just want to mention, like, for all the great things he's done on offense defensively, I am not impressed one bit with Quinn Hughes. I don't know. Is it just against us? Is he looking good in other in other games? He's um, minus seven. Like, it's not just yeah, against but, us. Yeah, but he's got four things. He's sixth in the league. And he's scoring. minus seven. He's minus but look seven. At, look, let me just put this out there. The, all right, so the Habs have scored at least five goals in six games out of ten so far this season. That's a uh, shout-out to Veronica, who does the Habby Hour and her little group. But, like, they posted that, and that's a wow factor, right? But most of those games 
are against Vancouver. Like this dude is getting destroyed. Yeah. And, and granted, but- he had Adler out for a game. Like there was there was many times when he played 20, you know, 20 minute games, which is what he's supposed to now. But he seems to be on the ice against, you know, against all of Tyler Toffoli's onslaughts. And that's and, my point. Like I'll point out, okay. I know he's been kind of bad. Horvat is minus three. That's a guy who's matched up against our top line, the Suzuki line, almost like almost every shift. Mm-hmm. JT Miller minus four. Um, Brock Besser minus five. It's not great, but for him to be their leading defender and to like, he's only I don't know. It's just minus seven. It's bad. That's bad. It's bad. I think he was on and, ice for a few of the shorties too. Yeah, and a guy who's supposed to be quick, like I was not impressed with Quinn Hughes' speed either. And I think that mu- that's definitely a testament to how fast Montreal is. I was about to say, you also got to put into consideration how fast uh, Anderson is and, and just Toffoli's pretty quick, but I find like when Toffoli scores, it's Toffoli's either just smart. like, it's either off of a, a fucking like 20 yard fucking flip you know, like just just flipping it halfway across the ice and catching it, or just like kind of um, like a bad situation on the back end, and, and we're off on a breakaway or at least a, a two on one. Like, yeah, I just, just I feel bad for him because I, I like I like him as a player, but he can he can be dog shit against the Canadians at this. I'm point. just I'm saying, fine with it. like, I'm just saying. I know this is going to be a debate for their entire careers. Kel McCarr. Definitely winning the season for me right now. <laughs> Plus nine in eleven games. Yeah, what's their division right now though? Where 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 their division's they... really good? They got spanked by St. Louis to start the year. They've yeah, got some they're... really good teams, and I know this at Habs podcast. And just you brought it up. Dallas is in that division. Mm. They've and got there's fucking a wagon right now. They've only played seven games, and Joe fucking Pavelski, thirty six year old Pavelski's got fourteen points. Little Joe, that's man. ridiculous. But anyway, um, moving on to Habs, let's talk about Jeff Petrie. And I have a lot to say, but. You know, I'd like to get your take on it because we know where I stand when we talk about Jeff Petrie, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, uh, this dude has, is aging to perfection. Um, I don't even want to think about the future for him because I'm just so content with what he's producing right now. Um, we lose to Calgary you know, everyone's kind of like wondering if like if, if this is a panic, what do we you know, what are we going into against Vancouver? We've dominated Vancouver, but Vancouver's just coming off of a domination four game run against Ottawa and Winnipeg. And Jeff Petrie, a few like just the first period, two goals already locks us in for for a great, you know, a great opening to this. Um He's quick as fuck. His accuracy is just amazing at this point. Um, he's not afraid. How do I say this? Like, he's not afraid to to play like a forward, it seems like, in Tom's. It's almost like when Brent Burns had, like, that amazing season where he was basically half a right wing, half a defenseman. Um, but then at the same time, he's got one of the best defensive-oriented game 
like styles on our team. Like he could save any defenseman who's having a bad night. Just put him with Jeff Petrie. I've been saying for the last year and a half now that, and at least the entirety of this podcast, that there are times, and especially when Weber isn't playing great or is out, where Jeff Petrie is our Play, best. Defense. Yeah. And, and there are times when Weber is on the ice, and I think Jeff Petrie is our best defenseman. And I understand Weber was his 1,000th game. He played a hell of a game. But <laughs> I think this season we might really see the truth and come out where we can definitively say Jeff Petrie right now is our number one defenseman. Number one defenseman. Yeah. And I just think, and I'm sorry, I, I, I don't mean to keep cutting <laughs> you off. You're good. You're good. I just think that I might get a little bit of hate for this. It might be a little controversial. But if you want to tell me that it's just a coincidence that he's having this performance the year he gets paired with Joel Edmondson, I think you're crazy because as much as I raved about Brett Kulak, like what, two episodes ago, an episode mm-hmm. ago, and how he compliments uh, everyone he plays with, Joel Edmondson is the perfect, in terms of style of play, perfect partner for Jeff Petrie. That guy, like, we're, we've always known Petrie was fast and he could handle the puck. But think about how often he brings the puck into the zone for Montreal now. And that doesn't show on the score sheet in which he has 13 points in 10 games, five goals, which is phenomenal. But to think of how many, like, I'm sure we could go back and count. I'm not going to because I'm a lazy piece of shit. But how many goals were started this season based off a Jeff Petrie zone entry? And I bet you it's quite a few. Because he has been quarterbacking not only our power play, but our five-on-five offense as well. And he is almost always the first man back. It's just incredible what Jeff Petrie has done this year. And it's nice to see, like, on social media, even television, Sportsnet and TSN, Jeff Petrie's finally getting the recognition he deserves. And while I do think it's a shame Shea Weber never got a Norris and I don't think he will at this stage in his career it would be really nice to see if Jeff Petrie could somehow sneak one in this season um if Mark Giordano can do it just because his team was successful that year and he kind of rode the backs of that now granted he had a good season that year scored like 78 points but Jeff Petrie is is on if, if this was an 82 game season, Jeff Petrie's on pace to, to score like 90 points this year. 90, yeah. He's he's shooting tw- just just shy of 21% or goals. Like he's got 24 shots on for the season, five goals. Like he's been phenomenal. I like what you said about having him with Edmondson. I think it's a great point. It allows Jeff Petrie to 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 move in a little bit more. And I think that's what you would just kind of like relaying at that point. But Joel Edmondson's allowing Jeff Petrie to to utilize his game even more. Like Jeff Petrie is not a stay-at-home defenseman. He's just the complete package of a two-way defenseman. And he's doing nothing but shining right now. It seems like that time he had off during COVID came into the bubble, found his game, and it's never left. And he's never been better. No, you're so right. 
I just think. You remember when we were afraid he was getting fucking traded? (laughs) No, I was, I was never afraid. There was never a fear for me personally, because I think we, we all see how valuable he is to this team. And if we notice something, I'm just under the impression now that Bergevin noticed it months, if not years ago, because like we have to consider Mark Bergevin for GM of the year, right? Mm-hmm. If Montreal continues to play like this, I don't see another team, another GM that made it better moves in the off season and made a more significant impact on their team. hundred percent. Um, I want to talk more about Petrie, but I'd be remiss if we didn't just touch on Shea Weber. Yeah, we did state that it was a thousandth game and he had a he had a relatively good game. I think it's been a little off this season so far for him, but this dude's going to wake up sooner or later. He's what is he like 10th and uh, power play goals and shit like that for defensemen. Um, it, it's just been a long run. I mean, obviously, a thousand, a thousand games. Shea Weber's career right now is 220 goals with 577 points. Um, I mean, he's never. How do I say it? I remember them speaking about it on, on TSN last night. How there was that scare right after the trade with PK. You know, he went down with a shoulder injury. Uh, he had a he basically missed the entire season. We thought it was going to be a bust, and then. He's been nothing but great for this team. He's been the ideal captain. Like I don't, there's no one on this team with Shea Weber on this team right now that could take his spot. And I mean, you know, it's it's not except just maybe Jeff Petrie. It's okay. I'm okay with that. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's hard to see a team. It's hard to think about this team without Shea Weber right now. Granted, Mark Bergevin is the mastermind that brought all these pieces in, but. Just on defense, I feel like Shea Weber has made all these young guys comfortable. You know, he's given them a chance to learn from a, from a great person other than Jeff Petrie because you can argue that as well. But it's like I feel like Shea Weber unites his team to, like, perfection. You know, like he is that calm calmness in the back that isn't afraid to ruffle feathers and, and is still offensively and defensively solid. No, for sure. I totally agree. I think – I think Shea Weber just provides so much in terms of what he brings to the, Oh, sorry. In terms of what he brings to the game, but also what he brings off the ice. And it was very clear. I think it's been clear for a long time, how much everyone in that locker room respects him, not only young guys, but veterans too. And I don't think anyone was shocked for as much as we love Brendan Gallagher I think if Gallagher was in that situation with Patrick leaving on any other team, he probably gets it. But Weber's just such a phenomenal leader, such a great captain that it was a no brainer and no one really questioned it. And when you consider like just the, the guy that Gallagher is, you know, leader in that locker room, Mm -hmm. it's just, it speaks a big, big Testament to Weber's, leadership abilities but I also think the leadership group as a whole in Montreal is phenomenal we've got Gallagher Weber Price Corey Perry's an ass but you're telling me you can't learn a lot from a member of the triple gold club and a future hall of famer Paul Byron a guy who grinded his way onto an NHL roster 
And then you've got even Jeff Petrie, Tyler Toffoli, who's won a cup, Jake Allen. This team is just full of vets sprinkled with young guys, and it's just perfect. It's a perfect mix. And clearly to start the season, it's paid dividends for us. But moving on to, like, away from the Shea Weber talk, I, I want to kind of go back when you mentioned additions. And right now, the focus is on Tyler Toffoli for painfully obvious reasons, I think. But fucking Josh Anderson, man. Oh, my God. Is he not an absolute beast? And just what a perfect liney for Druen and Suzuki. Six goals. So our two offseason additions are number one and two on our team in scoring. And he's just the space he's opened up for Suzuki and Druen, especially. I just I can't believe it's like they're they're Drew N's a totally different player. Suzuki, I think we expected this, but Drew N especially, it just seems like he's got an extra half second and he takes total advantage of it. And every time Josh Anderson has an opportunity to score, it seems like he does. Like he's had a few misses, but every opportunity he makes it. Suzuki will hit a nice pass, but Anderson's, it's just, I don't know, his ability to just power and get in front of the net is something we have not had in Montreal for like for a long, long time. I can't think of someone like that with the finishing ability of Josh Anderson. I, I don't know if you have, like, can you think of anyone that provided what he does? Not, not in relative years. I would have to go back to like, you know, like, the best era the Canadians ever had, but it's um I don't know. It, it's such a comfort to see that, you know, to know that it's it's not like, oh look, Josh Anderson's on the ice. It's like, no, Josh Anderson, if in the right position, is gonna move it up ice and give us a great, like a high advantage point to score, whether it's on his stick or him, you know, forcing it to someone else. Yeah. And like that goal, was it his first? I don't it doesn't matter if it was his first or his second. Um, he scored a goal uh, last night against Vancouver where it was just a total like he shoved a guy out, just total out muscled. I think you know, do you know the one I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. I think it was Chatfield, the rookie, completely just manhandled him. And that's a goal like. Obviously, Drew in and Suzuki, or I think Petrie might have been involved too, created that play. They they were a big part of that. But fuck, if Josh Anderson wasn't the just giant mammoth he is, you're telling me Montreal gets a goal there? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's you almost feel bad for who has to go up against him, like he's going to throw his body even if it's not an opportunity to score. If he's, if he gets a chance, he's going to do anything to impact the game. And in that, in that moment, like um, which, which one was it? The um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I know which one you're talking about, but um, fuck, I've, I've lost my train of thought on it. It's just, 
I don't know how to explain other than saying that he's like, I don't know. It's like, how do you, how do you, how do you mute? How do you move a fucking like a horse or like a cow? Like, like he literally, like he's, he's, he's as fast as fucking humanly possible. And then when he, when he sets himself, when he's not moving fast, you can't, you can't move him. It's, it's gotta be devastating to be on the other side of that and knowing that, Oh, I'm, I'm paired up against Josh Anderson right now and to get manhandled out of the way for an easy goal. No, for sure. And uh, not only that, but just minutes he's provided, like I'm not, not only like does that line contribute offense, but I think they play very well defensively. And when you look at the game sheet, Suzuki drew in Anderson, there are second line listed but as the season's progressing, I'm starting to like, I'm viewing them as our number one line until Deneau and uh, Tatar, who actually has six points in 10 games. Like, it's not bad. But until that line starts pitching in more offensively, I'm, that's going to be 1A for me. It's a 1A, 1B, 1A, 1B, 2B kind of, you know, line in Montreal lineup. Um, I don't even think we really have a fourth line. The fourth line plays almost as much as our third line. But I just – I'm as every game progresses, they get better. They're three, four, and five, respectively, in scoring on our team. And I just think they're going to only take more of a firmer grasp as the season um, progresses. Right. A little bit of trivia for you. I'm just curious. Do you – can you – have to take a guess. What forward leads Montreal in ice time this year? Mm. Maybe. And it's not it's it's not close. Maybe KK. I feel like he's even though he's not necessarily on the score sheet, he's for some reason always on the ice. No, no. I think KK. Julian, I think Julian doesn't play him enough. But uh, I'm Nick's just trying to who, think. I was trying to think of outside, like who. Who's somebody I wouldn't like necessarily because I feel like it wasn't going to be someone like Toffoli, you know, like like our leading scores. Yeah, no, Nick Suzuki's playing eighteen oh seven, which is fuck ton for a forward, especially a second year center. He's playing to put that in perspective. Joe Edmondson's our second pairing defenseman. He's playing eighteen thirteen. Like it's not it's not close, and it's actually funny. I was looking at this the other day, and you know who actually has the third most for defenseman on our team? Who? Alexander Romanov, eighteen forty-five. <laughs> That's awesome. Average time on ice. And now he was benched um, last night, which I'm actually not upset about because I think his last. Oh, two- the, the fucking the the entire Twitter world was, but I mean, it, yeah. it's it's a great idea. Like why? It, it, and I wouldn't say it's just based on him just messing up. Like, you can learn a lot from just having a chance to sit back and watch in the game play. Like, granted, like, you'll learn more on ice, but at the same time, it's like, why would you – he's getting so many minutes at such a young age. It's like I would be afraid of him getting banged up. There was a couple of a couple of times recently, I think mainly in the Calgary game, where the, he was, like, almost targeted. Like, he was constantly getting knocked over. Now, granted, he didn't have the best night the other night, and people can argue it's because he was on he was on uh, the wrong side where he's not used to. And granted, you know, he that's what he played in the KHL. I don't, I don't care. 
I just think it's a great it was a great chance for him to sit back and get a get a breather, get a little rest. And um when they're ready for him to come back out again, he's gonna have a great game. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um like I said, his last two games weren't great. I'll be honest. I didn't think he played that well. I just so okay. uh, I wish he would shoot a little bit more. Um really he's yeah, got 20 shots on the year. Well, yeah, I just I, I just mean mean. like when he's in when when they've got it like almost isolated, like where where the Canucks it's it's just in our offensive zone and they can't do nothing but just anticipate the shot. I just feel like if he would every now and then because it'll sit on his puck, you know, sit on a stick for a little bit. It's almost like he's he's in that the very top position where he could arguably like he's yeah, there's gonna be a lot of bodies in the way. But if he just starts taking a couple of slap shots right there, you would think that some people like he, not everybody wants to get hit by a fucking puck every second of every power play or every, you know, dominating chance that we have in uh, in their in their area. So yeah, I just feel know. like if he would if he would take a couple shots, yeah, he might not make it, but they might anticipate him being going for another shot and then he could pass it to the wing. And there it is. You know, it, it opens up our, our chances a little bit more. But I think he's hey, got a great shot. You're not wrong. I think maybe I, I think he shoots enough. Like I think he'll learn to shoot more as he gets a little more confident. And as he gets more of a green light made from Julian, although it does look like he has one pretty <laughs> pretty bright green light from Julian there. But <laughs> yeah, like I said, I don't have an issue with them sitting him because I just didn't think he was playing that well. Mm-hmm. I also I did notice that that on that that one goal that was against him, kind of, it was kind of his fault. He immediately tried to make an impact and just like put someone into the fucking boards. Like, yeah, just no, to try not, to get it back. You know, just it's not a it's not an effort thing. I just I, no. I don't think he's playing bad. I just don't think he was playing great. And plus, like getting Victor Mete in, like a lot of people might be pissed off about that. Whatever, whatever happened with his agent, I don't really care to be honest. Fucking Darren Ferris is a weasel. Like agents, a lot of agents are weasels, but he is the king shit of weasels. Okay. Right. He's a piece of shit. He is just like all of his players do questionable things. They all request for trades. Say, you know, you see Sam Bennett's requesting a trade. That's a yeah. Darren Ferris guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, Darren Ferris. I think Line A's got a finish guy, but Mi- fucking Mitch Marner, Darren Ferris. William Nylander, when he saw it, that was Darren Ferris. Yeah, Darren Ferris. He's not, he's a, he's a dickhead for lack of a better term. So, and Mark Bergman denied that Victor Mete even requested a trade. So I don't know what's going on there. And frankly, I don't give a shit. I think a lot of it has kind of grown some sort of anti-Victor Mete sentiment that I'm not okay with because stat line, he's a minus two, two penalty minutes. It's not great in two games. It doesn't yeah, look but good. also, but, it was yeah. clearly pointed out, like the one where it was supposed to be KK coming back to – to stop i think it was brock besser that's not necessarily his fault he did the right thing he followed the guy with the puck it was supposed to be kk as a center to come back up in front of the goalie it, it, i don't know people i'm i'm not gonna say i'm the biggest mete fan i have nothing against him but in moments like that I, i'm not gonna pinpoint this guy and say it, it's his fault for staying on the man on the man that was supposed to, like his assigned person, like he was doing the, the right thing. Yeah. And he, like I was saying, he fucking, what I saw, what the score sheet tells is a minus two, two penalty minutes. 
But what I saw was a young player who finally was utilizing his speed to join the rush, to carry the puck into the offensive zone. And just like he always got back defensively too. There were some times I questioned why he was rushing. And I thought he was trying to make an impact a little too hard, like a little bit too much. He was too Mm -hmm. antsy. He wanted to get on the score sheet. He wanted to make himself known. But I understand like anyone would in that situation, right? I mean, think about it. Who wouldn't do that if you just watched your team have an unreal start to their season and it's looking simple? And watch the guy who took your job play as well as he did, right? Playing as many minutes as he does. Yes. So, in reality, I thought Victor Mete played good. That's exactly how Mete – how I would want Mete to play. Now, is there any room for Mete – like? as a full-time starter on this team? I don't know. I really don't. We'll have to see. But if he is going to stay, and Mark Bergevin's not trading him, I really don't think he is. If the right offer comes, an offer he can't refuse comes, he might trade Mete. But this is the guy who's put so much emphasis on depth. This roster is built on depth. And we've been lucky to start the year, but the injury bug will come. It always does, especially in Montreal. So, Mete is a guy you want on your team if that happens. If we have to do this kind of rotation and get him in every once in a while, he ends up playing like 20, 22 games, right? Okay, well, then we anticipate that same intensity that he brought. Even though, exactly. like at, times, even though at times we were both like, hey, he's kind of like kind of overdoing it, like trying to over make a play happen. But like I'm not mad that he's doing that. He's doing that because he's hungry. And that's what everybody was saying. Oh, well, they're just trying to make Romanov hungry too. Like, I I think they're going to play off of each other rather well. I mean, it's probably going to go to the better of them that, that, that ends up winning the the majority of it. But if you learned anything from this is that you sit back and watch your team play this well, you're going to play like that to make an impact. I wouldn't be surprised. Like Corey Perry's done that, you know, uh, if Martin Froelich gets a chance, I'm sure he's going to fucking try that. You know, no one's going to come into this game after, after sitting on the taxi squad and give an average performance. They're going to try to earn that spot to play on this like amazing run that we're having right now. So. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't have any issue with Mete being in. I think he got on, Unlucky, and I think it's funny. The same people that criticize Mete for that minus two are the same people who will say, look at Joel Edmondson's plus 14 and say plus minus doesn't matter. So let's calm down on the Mete hate. The plus minus is is a garbage fucking stat anyway. I don't think it's a garbage stat. I really don't. I do think it does show something because if – a guy's on the ice for minus 20 goals every single year for eight years. <laughs> You're going to tell me like advanced analytics. What? Fuck off. I'm sorry, but it's, they tell a story and they're important, but they are the third tool as Brian Burke always likes to say, if I, if I can watch a player like fuck, who, who does the, the analytics community, fucking hates Kyle Connor. If you ask them, he can't play hockey. Kyle Connor has six goals, 11 points in 10 games. 
You're telling me you don't want that guy in your team? I have more. The analytics community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The analytics community hates him. They fucking hate that guy. But he can play hockey. So yes, yeah, there are they some also guys. hated uh, Edmondson. Like that was. I remember yes, that was exactly. a key thing you brought up. They were like, he is not good advanced stat wise. Like he was the worst defenseman. Tom in the hates him. You know, like fucking. Yeah, exactly. So are advanced analytics important? Yes, I do think so. I think they tell a story, but they're not the driving factor and they're not the main tool in which we decide how good a player is or how much their worth is. Right. I understand what you're saying. I still think it's a garbage trait. It's good for long run. Like you're saying, like, yeah, like that, that eight season shit. Like, yeah, that tells a story. But to like break down on someone for a, a negative two, okay, minus two, out. it's it's a little out. okay. It's not a perfect stat. It's an imperfect stat. I will admit that. I'm not saying it's my favorite stat. I'm saying I do think there's a use for it because if Montreal is doing as well as they are, okay, say they win forty games this year, okay, <clears throat> we lose sixteen, so we're just fucking dominating teams, right? And then Nick Suzuki has a minus 12 and everyone else on the team is positive. Like maybe he's a little unlucky, right? It makes me me think that he's playing the PK, if I'm being honest. PK doesn't give you a minus. Okay. So one, first of all, you're going to tell me Leafs fans aren't going to point at that and be like, oh my God, Nick Suzuki's trash. And second... If that was the case, I'm not saying it will be. You're telling me that you're not going to look at that and be a little concerned because everyone else on the team is plus. Everyone's positive. That team was very good. You can't say it was the 2019 Detroit Red Wings where everyone gets a fucking pass because that team was dog shit. So I do think there are situations where plus minus can be useful because it does tell a story. You, you're winning when a player's on the ice or you're losing when a player's on the ice. So I, I do think it's a little – it gets a little more hate than it should. I understand that a lot of the time it's like, oh, whatever, I don't give a fuck about plus minus. But I do think sometimes you can use it to gauge how much a player's impact is on, on the ice. I think it's more impactful when it's on a, a successful team. Because if you're, if you're playing with a shit team like, – like, Jeff Petrie with the Oilers probably didn't look that fucking good, but the Oilers were dog shit. Yeah, but so you're telling me if Jeff Petrie's playing on the Oilers. Okay, Dylan Larkin, I don't, this isn't a real stab, just pulling it, okay? Played for Detroit last year, mm-hmm. who were just historically dog shit. If he finishes that year with a plus 10, is that not kind of a sign that hey, he he did hey, he, this guy's kind of okay. good? Yeah, no. I see what I you're saying. If, think... if it's if it's a good stat, yeah, it makes you look good. If it's bad, I don't know. Sometimes it's it's the team. Sometimes it's it's more than just you. You know, your line could just be dog shit. I get what you're saying though. Oh no, I agree. Like I, I do think a lot of the times it's a shit stat. I'm looking at Jeff Petrie's a career minus 104. Playing in Edmonton will do that to you. (laughs) 
He was also minus 30 in Montreal one year, 2017-18. That was a tough year. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> so I don't think it's a perfect stat. I think it is a very imperfect stat, but I am saying there is a little bit of use for it. However, I don't think there's any more use for my rambling on plus minus. I think we've gotten a little off track. Well, while, so while think, you were torturing me about it, I rewatched the Josh Anderson goal you were talking about. Yeah. It's even more impressive because it's not just how he dummied. I think it's Chatfield. It's his play to keep us on the offensive. He goes up against the half board, immediate, like has an immediate presence, someone's coming after him, and he just dishes it behind himself to uh, to Suzuki. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I think it. I don't. I don't fucking remember. Um, just, I'm not gonna fucking rewatch it. But he dishes it back. It goes to two other players, and then Josh Anderson dummies himself back in back into an opportunity. That is a full coverage play. But he fucking manhandled the kid and got the goal and didn't touch the goalie, so there was nothing wrong with it. Yeah, no, it was a really good. I I love that goal. His that pre, like his presence is like it, it's like when we were getting Shea Weber. Like if you'd ever watched Shea Weber, I would think he would play like Josh Anderson. Like like he's just a a, a force. He's gonna knock you the fuck out, and he's got a wicked shot. Josh Anderson just does it more finessely. I feel like. I don't know. This this guy is unfucking real. I can't believe like I didn't know much about him until he became a Canadian. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like Columbus is fucking stupid. That's all I'm saying. If they, if yeah, they no. couldn't make it work for him, they're fucking stupid. Same thing with Toffoli for Vancouver. No, I have to agree. Um, we are running a little low on uh, time here, so. I think it's time we wrap it up. If you have anything else to say, speak now or forever hold your peace. I'll fucking, if I have something to say, I'll just say it again on fucking, um, I'll say it again on Sunday, but no, I'm good. I've, uh, it sucks that we don't have a a game today. So it's kind of trash, but it'll come out Thursday. So it'll be game day. So, uh, we're going up against Ottawa, which, if I'm being honest, hoping it's a fucking cakewalk. Uh, if Vancouver can do what they did to Ottawa, I'm hoping that you know in our one in our first meeting this season we can do that as well because Vancouver hit, we make Vancouver look bad, and Ottawa makes Vancouver look amazing. So hoping this is Very another true. astronomical night for us. Poor Ottawa's like one seven and one right now. If we're gonna get swept by any team in the Canadian division this year, though, you fucking know <laughs> it'll be Ottawa. Well, I fucking hope not, because they are just dog water right now. Don't jinx us. All right, I'm going to end it well, before look, they, can, they I'm going to end it play before them ten you can times. <laughs> All right, this has been Habs Nightly. <laughs> I'm stopping the curse preemptively. I hope, I'm glad you guys have stopped by and listened. Thank you. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next Sunday. Next Get him to follow us. At Habs Nightly. This has been Habs Nightly. Curse free. Go have a good night. 
You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.